welcome back to another episode of Getting Your Life Back with, with me, Cade Cooper. Um, I'm excited for this episode tonight. I am here with uh, Sherry Duffy. Um, we'd talked about doing this probably about a year, for a year now, but I just kind of felt things out at the right time. And the last little bit, it felt like it was the right time to... Uh, to do this so she's just going to talk about parts of her life and different things and you know i'm basically just going to turn over time to her um a, a lot of this will center around her son kelton uh i remember and i remember when john was there and you guys dropped kelton off um when i had my pest control business all those years ago and i remember seeing him so i was kelton's boss back in 2010 and his brother tyler and uh yeah, he, he just just an incredible kid, and you know, him and I kept in contact quite a bit throughout the years, and uh, had had developed a very close relationships. So, with that, um, I'll kind of turn it over to you. Okay, so maybe I should give a little bit of background about Kelton. Sure. Who Kelton is? Um, we have four boys. Kelton's our second. Um, incredible young man. You have to understand, this kid's six five. 230, 240, 7% body fat. You wouldn't want to wrestle with him. In fact, his high school coaches say he has freakishly strong legs. Yes. But the biggest teddy bear, just a big teddy bear inside, big, good heart. Um, Kelton got involved in drugs. He was in a, a sledding accident when he was in the fifth grade. So around age 12, um, he was in the ICU and they gave him a morphine pump where he had control of it. Who would give a 12-year-old yeah. control of a morphine pump? But he found then that it was an escape from the pain that he had felt physically and emotionally. In high school, he played basketball, played football. His senior year, he did not make the basketball team. That was a crucial turning point for him. And he turned to the drugs to cope with the, the inner pain. So when he was 16, he, he turned to the drugs he he died at 29 that right before 30 so 14 years of of drugs he done everything that there was started the gateway drug marijuana did everything to the end um he did die by suicide which was devastating but having a a child in addiction is it's heart-wrenching for a parent. And I don't think parents know that there are resources out there they can turn to that can help them. I didn't know that. Um, and I didn't, I don't think you know how to do, I wanted to control, control all of it, right? And I have no control of it, no. none. There's, there's no control, unfortunately. It's Kelton's choice and decision. And, and I think that as a parent, we wanna jump in and control and lay down the rules and that's not exactly the way it works in this life. <laughs> so, so as you started out, it was probably trying to control with them. Oh, 100%. Where do you think the shift was when you, you realized that the controlling wasn't working and, and how did you? You know, kinda... I, um, it's hard because you want to say, okay, you, you're not welcome in the home. There's these hard rules. And then there's a part that says, let me engulf you in my arms and love you and save you and rescue you. And uh, it took a long time to realize I'm not his savior or his rescuer. And it was into his adult years, probably not until he was 23 or 24 that I kind of realized I had to step back and let him be a man. And and Kelton was great. He would We would have honest conversations. He was open about it. Sure. Yeah, he, he always was. Open was. About, 
hey, I've got this problem and this is what I'm doing and using. And some of it, I'm just like, ah. Um, but when I released it and we could have these conversations and he's more willing to look at it as, hey, these are my problems. Um, it, it got really deep. Kelton also, because of his physical attribute, he was big, handsome, could probably get any girl he really wanted. But he had um, body dysmorphia. So he would look in the mirror in his, at his arms and if one vein didn't match this vein, he would panic. And he overcompensated things at, by going to the gym. Mm -hmm. So he was at the gym eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a hard thing to watch your child struggle with that and try to build him. But I had to step back and I had to let him make his choices. And unfortunately, it didn't end well. But because of my religious beliefs, I know he's doing more and he's, he's better. Would I take him back in a heartbeat? Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't say like he's, sure. he's better off. I would take him back in a second, but he's capable of accomplishing a lot more. It's just, it was an ugly road and it's not a road that is just for a one person. It's, it's the whole family was involved. Yep. You know, we, you try to rescue and give him money and, give up in cars and tires and schooling and unfortunately we had we had to let him unravel it all himself you know what a what a hard thing to do my kids are still young right now but you know me being an addict myself and, and putting <laughs> my parents through the ringer as well yeah. um and and you know working with people and working in interventions and stuff there's there's that point, I think, is a parent or a loved one where you cross the line of love and enabling, and it's it's such a hard uh -huh. thing, right? Because when we're sick, and we we don't like boundaries, you know what I mean. And and when we have people, and I, I, I like how my therapist puts it, because he's like, I don't like to use the term codependency with parents and kids. It's it's more just enabling, right? Because there's yeah. such a sweet thing there, but it, it sounds like eventually realizing that. You know, given given Kelton that certain times the comfortable confines is is enabling the habit a little bit because there's no real you know consequences no. for your behavior, and it's it's tough for for me it it was consequences that really really got it right and I think yeah. you know sometimes when you do interventions the sickest person is not the addict but it's it's the family member in there so I can't imagine I agree. can't imagine how hard that would would have been at that time. Yeah, that's a hard place to be as a parent because like you say. And as a parent, it's hard to define what's enabling and what's loving. And part of that was my own growth experience of learning, okay, this is probably more enabling. And that's a hard thing. And I remember sitting up nights with him. It's like, Kelton, let, let's write out a plan. Let's figure out this plan and let's stick to this plan. And we'd check in and he'd, he'd do good. And then it was it'd deviate from the plan. I'd come back to the plan and it just was heart-wrenching to watch him just unravel his whole life into pieces that were a mess. And he eventually decided he was going to go to school in Louisiana and lived with a girlfriend there. And it was happened to be during COVID and everything shut down. We went over and got him out, brought him back home with us. But at that point, he was pretty desperate. And I would say there's probably a lot of addicts that are that get to the desperation point. I would hope that there would be someone that they could reach out to that could 
say, look, there is hope. There, there's hope. There's a lot of avenues. In today's world, we have a lot of different avenues that can help addicts and families and resources. And I would hope that they would get to that point where they could have someone they could reach out to that it wouldn't end the same way it ended for us. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I, you know, I view addiction through my religious scope and through the 12 steps as well, but I, I see it as, as a God-sized hole in my heart, right? Mm -hmm. And like if I try to fill it with anything else, whether it's other people or whether it's drugs or whatever, it doesn't quite do it. So the relationship with God is paramount to being better and with Christ. But after that, healthy relationships with people it's, it's the complete opposite of addiction. Yeah. And so, you know, in my days of use or relapse, it was always marked by, uh, by isolation. And Isolation's key, isn't it? Yep. It's, that was one of the telltale signs for me. It's just like, oh, he's isolating. That's not good. And I think that, as you say, I think it's so crucial that you have that relationship with God, whatever God that is that you have in your life, whatever God that is have that relationship with God because I don't believe you can actually have those outside relationships until you have that personal one-on-one because -on -one. you understand better about you and yourself and your God. And with that power, you can spread it out and gain power from family, friends, sponsors, whatever it be. Um, I just think that's a crucial, crucial element in recovery. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. You know, I, I kept in contact with Kelton throughout the years and, and early on, you know, my, my drug use was always, it, it wasn't very long because it was so severe and like it was just hard to maintain it. <laughs> yeah. And so I would go wild, but then I'd have long stretches of sobriety. And then as I, as I started to get sober, they got longer and longer. And then I started to figure things out. But, you know, early on, I just remember talking to talking to him and although he was down there were still progressions as he was going because we, we talked at yeah. length about the 12 steps and you know we talked about God when each of us would struggle we would talk about these things and it, it was it was really you know in a way I beca he became kind of like a son figure in a way right. because I had been his boss and he was yeah. he was this young kid just <laughs> planted out in Houston and I didn't know what I was doing at that time running a business either but, uh, you know, one thing I don't think I ever told you was about three weeks before Kelton passed away, he called me and wanted me to come meet him. And so we went and we met him up, up the mountains by your guys' yeah. house. And he was just, he was talking about his, his predicament. And, you know, he was, he was mentioning he didn't know if he could hold on. He didn't know what to do or to give up. But he was yeah. also mentioning, you know, the 12 steps as well. And I just, it was hard for me, but I just felt the biggest prompting not to sponsor him. I could just mm -hmm. feel that something was, was in there. And typically it's not good for me to sp sponsor someone that I'm good friends with anyway, right. because I can get biased and stuff that way too. But I just felt the strongest feeling that Kelton's okay. And so, you know, a, a couple days later, I, uh, he called me and he was struggling. I didn't, I didn't really know. I don't think I knew you, Sherry. And I just, I met John yeah. one time out in Houston when he'd come. So I didn't know you guys, but, but he had, he'd got back in the pattern of using and stuff. And he had mentioned to me he was, and I just had had a thing. I said, Kelton, I can't come be with you while you're using, you know, yep. I, I can talk to you on the phone. I can try and help you, but I can't be there with you. So, you know, you, you fast forward days. I don't know if you remember, I got a phone call and uh, it was, it was, it was from you, it was from Sherry, and she, she, I, maybe it was a text, actually, I can't remember. I think I called you. Yeah, I think he did, and just said... Because I went through his contacts, and I was like, oh, I need to contact him. Yeah, she, he said Kelton had passed away last night, and, uh, you know, 
you're very nice. You saw our text message yeah. exchanges there, so we we had done quite a bit. But it was it was a tough time. It wasn't nearly yeah. with you guys. But well, it, this is the thing, though, Kate. Is is I don't want to say it happened the way it was supposed to happen, but um, he he passed away that Tuesday morning after Mother's Day, and that Mother's Day, he came upstairs, and it was a warm day. It was that year. It was a warm early mm -hmm. spring. And he had long sleeves on. Mm -hmm. And I went, he's using, he's got track marks. Sure. And I didn't want to say anything because I knew that the rule and the boundary that we had set is you can't be in the house if you're using. Mm -hmm. And and something just said, let it go, I've got this. Mm. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to tell John. And, you know, then it, it, then it was, you know, the next night and... He came in and we had a conversation. He talked and he's like, I'm, I'm going to be good, Mom. Everything's going to be fine. I love you. Good night. Gave me a big hug, went to bed, and the next morning he was gone. And, you know, that was heart-wrenching as a parent. And I felt bad for my husband because he's the one who found him, called the paramedics. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think Kelton kind of just hit the end of his road and... That's a hard place to be mm -hmm. when you are at the end of the road and you feel like there's nobody for me that I and unfortunately in his mind he thought he had burned all of our relationships which isn't true as right. a parent you know you're gonna love your child no matter what and as friends you're gonna be there but um, that's that's where it ended up with him and um, you know he he did have a belief in God. He he wrote a letter. He had a belief in God. He had everything lined up. Um, he just saw that as his only way out, and mm -hmm. he didn't want to do the drugs. He just he he just got so dependent on them that he couldn't function without them, and was so afraid of what would happen to him yep. without them. The fear in his life was fear. Boy, fear takes away all your freedom, right? Yeah. You know, I, I, and Clonopin was the one that Kelton would keep going back to yeah. and back to. And I was, you know, even prescribed Clonopin later in life, but early on I, I abused it heavily too. Later I took it and didn't abuse it and was able to manage it. But I remember going into Clonopin withdrawals at one point, and uh, there's two things that can kill you from just withdrawing oh. from alcohol and benzos or Clonopin. And it, I, I remember, because we have our thoughts, and Sherry and I share the same faith, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter. Yeah. Saints and we, you know, it, it governs how we view and see all these things. But uh, I went into this this benzoyl withdrawal, and uh, I remember just after three days of it, it was. I won't go into the whole experience, but it was so brutal. I wanted to be done, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it was through some intervention and, and my wife at the time and my bishop kind of saving me. But it shifted my view on those things because I I wasn't thinking right. I yeah, wasn't he right went mind. into withdrawals in the basement, and he and we experienced those same things. Like, I, I don't want you to come down here for three days, and it it will be ugly. And it was ugly, and I like you just hurt for them and want yeah. to rescue them. But boy, that's a hard place when you get to that point, and then it's just to the point where it's like I I can't do it. I just can't do it anymore. Which is a really really tragic place to be. That's that's a tough spot. Yep. But um. You know, he's he's affected a lot of people's lives. There's a lot of people that he has come in contact with. And with Kelton, 
if you were his friend, you were his friend, and he was there to protect your back, mm -hmm. no matter what. He was, yeah, a, he was. He was a true friend. He was a good one to have him protect you. He, <laughs> yeah. He was a true friend, and so his friends would, after he, he passed, lots of friends would get in contact with us and say, you know what, like, I've, I've become clean because I can't have this happen. And I hate to have him as that example, but oh boy, if he can help that many people, what a blessing that is to have. Yeah, it, it certainly had an impact on me when I went to the funeral and I brought one of my friends that came with me to meet Kelton a, a couple weeks earlier and I remember leaving the situation. One, I remember the state president talking and just, just an amazing talk and just feeling at peace that, you know, Kelton was yeah. fine and this was just part of his progression. There were, I think, in, in my mind, he accomplished what he needed to accomplish, and then yeah. he was moving on to accomplish more. So that was that was a incredible experience. As, as you kind of alluded, Kelton kind of transitioning, because I think he always had that faith in Christ, but I know towards yeah. the end, he, he started coming back full circle. What was that like to see that transformation? Yeah, that was, you know, it gave us hope. We finally had hope for once. It was just like, wow. Um, and he, in our faith, we have, was called General Conference every six months. And he had asked if he could listen to conference with us. And I remember sitting on a chair, kitty corner from the couch from him and just uncontrollable sobbing. And he started playing church music in the house and he just, he could feel it. He, he knew in his heart, he knew God. He knew the truths that he was taught as a youth and, and he yearned for that. He just didn't know you know, how to obtain it without having the drugs. And any time that we spoke in church, I was in a state calling and I had to speak at different areas, there in the audience would be my son to support me, you know. Mm -hmm. He never he never was against any of our beliefs. He still had the beliefs that he's a child of God and that he has a God that loves him and that there's hope. He just was entangled. In fact, at the very end, he said, you know, mom, I can see how addiction is just like chains that bind you. It's like, yeah, it is. And, and there's, a, there's a way to get out of the chains. That, that's the beautiful part is Christ provided this way to get out. And boy, the 12 steps, what an incredible program. And AA, we can't, just can't say enough about good people that are out there helping us. It's, it's a crisis in the world right now. And there's, but there's also so much good and there's people willing to help and, and get people away. I've in, we, we were addiction recovery missionaries for three years. Wow. To see the remarkable changes in people that, that restored my hope and my faith. That's amazing to see people just struggling and trying. And, and these are people Gosh, Kate, in my mind, I had this perception of drug addicts and <laughs> then these people. And that's not how it is at all. You've got moms. You've got young college kids. You've got, in, in my particular group, I had an 88-year-old woman still trying to perfect herself in life. And isn't that the beautiful thing? Yeah. Like, 
you definitely learn that this this disease it's not discriminatory. This Absolutely I I experienced not. the same thing. I went to three rehabs before I got to where I didn't need to go to them, and they, it was, you know, sometimes wealth is 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 tougher to deal with than mm -hmm. poverty. It all has its own challenges, so you see it affect that way. You know, I, I when I was getting divorced, I went to the divorce the meet the class that's mandatory by the state. Yeah. And they were talking about the the worst things you could go through, and statistically, divorce was number two. And I understand why, but number one was the passing of a child. And, you know, having my children, I just, I, I can't fathom that. It's the one yeah. thing I, I just pray I don't have to go through. But how how was your support system and, and your faith in Christ? How did that wow. help you at that time? Um, you know, there's a couple things I've learned is that is probably the hardest thing. I think it would have been easier to bury a parent than a child, sure. for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and it's hard because you look back at all these great photos and memories and you go, my child turned to this and is gone. And, and I, I would do anything to have a parent not go through that. But saying that also, I think God in his own way knows exactly what we need. And I think God knew that I personally am not tempted by any type of drug, alcohol, anything like that. But I, I am tempted by rescuing and saving my children and enabling in that. And God knew that there had to be something in my life that would draw me to my knees to turn to Him because how else would I find Him on a personal basis? And unfortunately, that was the situation that drew me to my knees. And I came closer to God than I've ever been in my life. He was my dependent. Um, you and I talked a little while ago about the song, Peace in Christ. We played that at Kelton's funeral. That has been my echoing words in my head over and over with this. Um, and I can find that strength. You would think that you would have this challenge. So we, we lose Kelton at the same exact time we lost two of our businesses. Mm -hmm. It's COVID. So all these things happened. And then a year after I get diagnosed with breast cancer, have a double mastectomy, all of these hard things. <laughs> and you would just go, really? But honest and truthfully, I have had the most incredible peace through every single one of those trials. And I don't think that peace would come without that one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. Um, and I don't think I could have had him anyway. God said, you know what? I'm going to give you these children because you're going to need them to come to me. And as hard and awful as that was, oh, wow, I am really grateful for that. I'm so grateful to have been his mom. Um, I didn't do it right all the time. <laughs> I think we can all look back on that, but wow, what an incredible opportunity I had to learn and grow from that child. And I know he's got a relationship with Christ, and now I know I have that relationship with Christ, that we're on the same page. Um, John and I talked to one of our other kids, and he said, isn't it interesting that when you get to be this age, you're kind of more best friends than you are parent-child? Yeah. and. You know, that's how I feel I am with Kelton. Like we're we're on the same page now. We're the same level, mm -hmm. and he had to grow, and I had to grow, and and unfortunately, it wasn't a 
awful experience, but wow, am I ever grateful for it? Yes. Yeah, I, I grew in immense ways. I, I think it's the same thing as, as any experience that you go through. You grow through, whether it's an addiction or a divorce or a loss of a business or a disease, anything, we have those and we can either fall and fail and be where we are or we can pick ourselves up and grow and connect with Christ and move forward in life. This whole life experience is just about growing. And if we're not growing, we ought to sit back and take a look at our lives and go, hey, where can I change and grow and reach out? And and, and Kelton is, you know, Kelton didn't, he always wanted to make the million dollars, right? <laughs> he was always, the next corner was going to have the million. And he didn't have a lot at the end. He he had nothing, but he, he would have given anyone yeah. whatever he had. And I, I learned that good lesson from him is that I may not have a lot, but I can sure give where I can, and, and I will do that. And what a good example that was for me. Yeah, he's always just very pure-hearted and very fun. You know, yeah. looking at all those things that you've gone through, and in my experience, it seems to be with life. I, I just had my second midlife crisis, and so <laughs> I, I thought one was enough, but it seems like in, in my life, there's a, I go through something really hard and we all do and people yeah. usually go one of two ways with that trial right especially when it comes to God sometimes they become cynical and they'll blame God and I've been there as well in my experience when you do that it it lengthens out your oh, trial yeah. dramatically right but there's there's always lessons to be learned I've, I've learned and, and you know for a long time it was why me, why me, why me? And then eventually I shifted into why, and then I, I, I started to get answers as to how things come. Because my belief is the suffering in this life is for lessons all the time. And if we can understand the lesson and gain the growth that God wants us to gain, yeah. we don't need to suffer forever. Well, I, I think that's a good point. I don't think we need to suffer forever, but I think that the lessons that we learn, um, I I could be really angry at God, mm-hmm. and real and there pro, there were times where I probably was angry at God. Sure, and and I think that's a natural response. But can I share a personal story? You bet, like, please. Let me let me share this personal story. There was a time it was the two year mark after Kelton's death. It'll be four years this May, so Jeez. we're we're almost to four. Um, the two year mark, and you know we, we as a family decided, hey, how are we gonna commemorate Kelton and all these things and kids all did a time capsule that we buried and did all these things we thought well you know I just I don't like celebrating his death date but I feel like we should commemorate together so there was a day and and I was really struggling going how could all of this follow me like God why are you doing this to me I've been trying to do good and right and why is God punishing me and I think that that's a natural thing that people probably feel in their lives at some point like why am I being punished um, or why can't God save me and I was driving down the road now any time in my life from the time I was young until now anytime I've had to do a really really hard challenge or I feel like something's too hard or I'm really alone there always appears a, a yellow butterfly just always and I don't know if you noticed, but we have photos. I actually spoke at Kelton's funeral, and you you were there. And mm-hmm. 
there's a picture of me standing by his casket. We had to just have an outdoor because of COVID. We couldn't yeah. meet together. So we're outside and a yellow butterfly came when I was speaking and sat on hmm. his coffin. So there's a lot of meaning behind butterflies and stuff. But this particular day, I was I was bitter at, at God. And, and I was bitter and I was going to Kelton's headstone. And my husband's out of town. My kids were all out of town. So I was like, I have to do this all alone. This is not fun and I thought I need something we had decided to put balloons on we do that every year and I needed something to tie the balloons to so they don't float away and I thought well I'll go between Lowe's and TJ Maxx and Hobby Lobby there between those three I'll find something I can put on to tie the balloons to well as you drive down University um, in Orem it's a concrete jungle right there's just pavement buildings came to the stoplight in front of Lowe's. There's not a tree around anything. On my windshield, as I'm praying to God, I can't do this. Do you even know who I am? Appears a yellow butterfly. Now I've had bugs land on my windshield, right, right. but never a butterfly. And at that moment was a huge turning point in my life. And I realized God knows everything we're going through. The smallest thing. He knew that I would be alone going to my son's grave and that that would be difficult and I wasn't alone. And I think that that was one of the biggest turning points for me to go, okay, just quit trying to control it all. God's got this. Yeah. He's got it for all of us. Well, that's, that's beautiful. I have a similar relationship with ladybugs. <laughs> I've shared some stories yeah. with me and my daughter and different things. And with the ladybugs, mm-hmm. I remember some of your ladybug stories. But uh, it's it's incredible the different ways in which he, he does that. Well, that was, yeah, that was, in, Incredible. I think maybe to close, if, if you want to share, because we've got a, a good amount of people that watch this yeah. and people that maybe are suffering with loved ones that are in addiction as well as those that are experienced loss like yeah. you, what would you say to them? Wow. If those that are in addiction um, really reach out, there are 12-step mentors programs. There's AA, there's church leaders in various denominations. There's lots of people out there are willing to help please do not give up hope um, there's always hope and there's answers for a parent the same thing you need a support system it's painful and um, for our family the healing comes from talking about it and the memories and the sharing and the um, sharing his story and, and wherever we can reach out and help and serve that takes away so much of our pain because when we're serving our fellow man, we're not caught in our own, our own problems and addictions and self. It, it's healing. It's really healing. And I would just say the same thing. Hope for both cases. There's hope for both cases. And as it's, I tell a lot of people, I had a friend who is experiencing this same exact scenario. I said, you know, the hole in your heart doesn't go away there becomes a scab and a scar. And the hole will always be there. Mm-hmm. But you will be able to move forward in life and find joy and pleasure. And it's okay to enjoy life. I mean, life is meant to have joy, mm-hmm. too. It doesn't mean we've forgotten our loved ones. Right. It's just life is about happiness. Yeah. So. I, I think my dad passed away years ago, and I think, you know, I mourned him for so long. And then 
I processed it and with the help of the Savior. I don't know that I, I mourn as much, but I, I miss him. Yeah. And there's just this difference where it's just an understanding because like you've experienced, I just, exp I know he's there. <laughs> yeah. I know I'll be with him again and he, he's present. And so, you know, but at the time it felt like I would never heal. And... Oh, you feel like you can't get out of bed. You can't, the, the, that first little while I had friends who just showed up at my house and said, look, we're going on a road trip. We, we can't have you like this all the time. And, and you know, that's the beauty of life. We got friends to help us along the path and the way, and life is a beautiful thing. We just help each other along the way. Well, thanks so much. Oh, thank you for having for, me. For, for coming on. I, I'm honored to be able to share, oh. share some of this experience. And, you know, I, I was uh, getting ready to, this morning I was at the gym, and that song, sure enough, came on, uh, Peace, in, Peace Christ. in Christ. If you haven't heard it, it's a, it's a beautiful song, and, you know, I could feel killed at times yeah. so isn't that crazy yeah how we can do that but but music is a great healing to our souls absolutely so well thanks for thank you so much thanks thanks for tuning in um if you're new to my channel i i, I cover a variety of topics and at this point for a while now i'm just going to bring people on for a little bit so you don't have to listen to me all the time so but we appreciate it and let's let's get our life back mm -hmm.